intelligent but we're gonna try to prove otherwise this is the clashing sabers podcast i am one of your hosts brandon and with me is my friend and teammate uh drew that that's your part hey so good morning good afternoon uh and if i don't see a good evening yeah exactly is that how that line works yes it is oh god i love that movie so much (laughs) <laughs> well, welcome to the uh, Jim Carrey special edition podcast of things. I'm not going to lie. My fiance, Brooke, hadn't seen Truman Show, and I was like, what? And it was on Netflix. That that movie holds up. I'm not going to lie. Is it really? It I haven't really watched does. it in a long time, but it is a good one. It's it's a lot simpler than I remember it being uh, when I was like 12 or whenever it came out. But yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. That's awesome. So, other than, you know, Jim Carrey, uh, what have you been Star Warsing lately? <laughs> I did like the way he was a Jedi in that bat- big battle scene in Attack of the Clones. That was really cool. They let him in for that one day. Yeah, he uh, he did great imitations of Mace Windu and Yoda while he was doing that. It was, it was All right. Awesome. All right. Look, I've been thinking about this, and I think you owe Mace Windu an apology, okay? You can't place the entire fall of the Jedi Order at his feet like alone and still hold Yoda in this high regard that you clearly do. So no, I don't, I don't owe him an apology. I don't owe Mace Windu an apology, but I also don't hold him alone in for, I don't blame him alone for the, the, the fall of the Jedi. You got me like flustered here because, <laughs> cause you Mace, know, I'm right. <laughs> no, I blame, I blame all of the Jedi for that. I blame Mace Windu for being a terrible human being. Oh, and, oh, being prejudiced towards Anakin just because he didn't like that there was somebody who might outdo him. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's timestamp that because that was the first eye roll of the evening. I think that's a, like a, a world record for fastest eye roll <laughs> inducing comment. Jeez. Okay. So let me tell you something. Um, I have two, two boys, as you know, and Toby, my older one, had his seventh birthday like a week ago. Which was really fun and exciting. We went to Chuck E. Cheese, which is evidently still a thing kids enjoy doing. I didn't realize they were still around. So we did that. But the reason I tell you this is important because we got him a a really cool toy that I want to play with more than I want to let him play with. Back before Toys R Us went out of business, which is going to date some of us now, um, they had – I don't know if you've been a Toys R Us fan or like to go in there very often or not. They have this RC drone game. That is, if you fly an X-Wing, and there's a floating Death Star, and you have to shoot the Death Star, and the Death Star is trying to shoot you, too, and whoever gets three hits first wins. Let me tell you what. This little flying X-Wing thing is freaking amazing. <laughs> this sounds fantastic. It has. I'm gonna, while I'm telling you about it, I'm going to try and turn it on and see if I can make it fly, which will, I'm sure, go really, really well. So it's got this little controller, which lights up, which automatically has my attention as something super fun. And there's a lot of buttons on here, so i got to turn 16 things on. Okay, the battery lights look good. And so it's got all these controls of, like, a regular drone, 
but you can fly it and it goes shoot it makes shooting noises that's awesome so so it's like an actual physical like toy it's not like a, a, a video game type thing no exactly it's it flies in the air through the living room and crashes into things. Whoa! There it goes. Can you hear that? Uh, yeah. That... <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, you need to post pictures on the Facebook group of that. I recommend everybody find one like on eBay or something because these are phenomenal. The only downside is that the batteries do not last all that long. And so you get maybe 15, 20, maybe 25 minutes of actual flying time. Before it goes kaput. But those 15 minutes are amazing. <laughs> highly, highly recommended. It's like the, uh, I have a remote control BB-8. Like, not the Sphero one, but one of the, the cheaper ones, you know. Uh, and I played with it twice. And it sits on, like, my shelf in the podcast studio. And I was like, you know, I haven't played with my BB-8 toy in a while. So I went and turned it on just to kind of mess with my dog. And it, it the battery was dead. Oh, no. It's like a huge, like, there's like 2D batteries or something ridiculous in there. And I haven't replaced them because you have to, like, it's those tiny screws you have to unscrew. Oh, uh, like, unassemble the entire thing. It yeah. could be a little frustrating. So it, it just doesn't seem worth it to me. But, uh, man, the Star Wars toys never get boring. Star Wars Ooh. toys are always fun. Oh, God. Have we lost Drew for the whole show now? No, 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 no. It's just if I'm distracted, it might be because I'm, I'm flying the X-Wing. And <laughs> uh, if I feel sound disinterested in whatever Brandon is saying, presume I'm trying not to crash for a moment. Or presume that he's probably disinterested in what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're equally likely. Uh, so I, I don't know if I've talked to you since I've finished some more of the, uh, the Old Republic EU novels. I read Revan and Deceived. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah. So enjoy those. Was bad. I don't. Deceived was okay, but I always felt really skeptical that they made a book off of a trailer for a video game rather than off the game itself. That was weird. Yeah. It. It. It was fine. Revan. I feel like I don't have because I've never really played any of the Knights of the Old Republic game. I don't have the referential uh, feeling <laughs> toward toward Revan um, that a lot of people have. So. His it's character. a great game. Yeah, I, great. Know. I need to sit down and play it. I just, I wasn't really, I'm not really super into video games, but I, I do want to play it eventually. But, uh, yeah, so, the, like, the way they present Revan in the book is, like, he's already post all the stuff that he goes through, I'm assuming, in, in Knights of the Old Republic. And so you're supposed to just, like, automatically like him. It's, it's kind of like coming back you know, to, to Han, Luke, and Leia in the sequel trilogy. Uh -huh. It's like, you don't need to explain who these people are. You know, you just need to say the name Revan. You just need to say the name Luke Skywalker. So, for me, like, the character wasn't super interesting in the book, but again, I think that's just because I didn't have the background. But we are... We're moving through Don't Burn, the Sacred Text. The, the newest episode with Lost Stars just came out. So now I'm back reading Leia, Princess of Alderaan. And Ooh. God, I, dude, I've been reading this book for two days, and I think I'm 145 pages in. I love <laughs> this book so much. I, I remember liking that one a lot, too. That was one of the few new canon books that I, I, I read not terribly long ago. I don't feel like maybe less than a year ago. And I feel like I did the audio book for that one. Yeah, you definitely did the audiobook. I remember because okay. uh, you, you texted me a picture when you got it from the library. 
That sounds like me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but God, it's just so good. And I was thinking about it. So I, I bring it up, you know, because we had Solo, which was kind of like, you know, how young so- Han Solo got started on his journey to being the smuggler that we meet in A New Hope. And mm-hmm. Leia, Princess of Alderaan is about how Leia, you know, joins the rebellion and, and becomes a part of that, which is obviously where we see her at the beginning of A New Hope, uh, with Scarif being like her first real big official, like, step into the role of a leader in the rebellion. I really think it would have been cool if they had made it a movie instead of a book. And and that's saying something because I adore this book. But I think it would have been really cool if you had like a parallel, maybe not at the same time, but you have a young Han Solo and a young Princess Leia movie that are both kind of huh. showing how you meet them. That's an interesting idea. I think that had Carrie Fisher not passed away, you'd probably have a lot more support for that idea. I think that with her passing and the whole conversation around recasting her with somebody else for episode nine or using old footage or something like that. I think that character is kind of enshrined in a certain way that they're not going to be willing to let somebody else do that, that kind of heavy lifting. Like, I think even in like the cartoons where they show, like I think rebels has her for like maybe one or two episodes. She's not in any of the other ones because Clone Wars is too young. Resistance is too old. Uh, she's well, not- no, she's in the beginning of Resistance, yeah. although she has no lines. Yeah, she just—it's just her image. So it's just kind of—I think that's going to be like too sacred ground for people. But it's an interesting idea. I was really afraid you were going to ask for a, a young Luke Skywalker movie, and nobody wants to see that. So let's just kill that while we can. No, God, please kill that. Like That'd be really bad. Really, really bad. The whole point of Luke's story is that his story doesn't start until A New Hope. Exactly. Unless so. they made it like 10 Things I Hate About You. That would be kind of cool if we did that with him in, <laughs> in one of the loserly roles instead of not in the Heath Ledger role. That would be terrible. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, but no, like, I think, yeah, I'm not talking about now making it because I think Claudia Gray told the story perfectly. Um, but pre-Carrie Fisher passing, obviously, if, we, if if they had her blessing, I think um, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things, I think, would do a fantastic job with that. It was just something that popped in my head today while I was reading the book, and I just, just wanted to mention it. But you mentioned... You mentioned the the animation, and that's actually our topic for this episode. We're going to be digging into all of the animation, really, that Lucasfilm has ever come out with, um, for the most part, at least mm-hmm. all the, the big hitters. We're not going to really get into Forces of Destiny, uh, just because... Well, just we, because I forgot that was a thing. Holy cow. <laughs> it, and it, it's not even in my notes once. It's not in my notes either, but mostly just because we're going to focus on the big hitter. So uh, we, we have a lot to cover, so I, I don't think we should wait anymore. We're going to take a quick break and send it over to Devin Clever from Unmistak- Unmistakably Star Wars to tell you about a little sponsorship that we have going on, and we will be right back. Hey, Clashing Sabers listeners. I hope you're enjoying this great podcast. This is Devin Cleffer from Outer Rim Originals, your online source for limited edition Star Wars artwork from officially licensed Disney and Topps artists. Each Outer Rim Original artwork has the industry's lowest print run of only 45 prints. 
All limited edition pieces from Outer Rim Originals are printed on archival quality Z-Clay paper, are hand-numbered, signed by the artist, and include a certificate of authenticity from Outer Rim Originals. And because you're a listener of this podcast, Outer Rim Originals is offering you the opportunity to purchase a limited edition signed print with 10% off of your order. Simply head to OuterRimOriginals.com and enter the discount code CLASHINGSABERS, the number 10. That's CLASHINGSABERS10. Then get ready to be the envy of the galaxy with a limited edition signed print from Outer Rim Originals. Remember, OuterRimOriginals.com, discount code CLASHINGSABERS10. That's OuterRimOriginals.com, discount code CLASHINGSABERS10. Now, back to the podcast. Totally forgot that existed. <laughs> All right, and we are back. And like I said, we're going to jump into the animation uh, of Star Wars, which is obviously a huge uh, factor in the fandom nowadays. But the story of the animation and the progression of the animation has, has been very interesting. So kind of uh, to kind of give an outline of how we're going to go through the show, we're going to go through the the animation series in chronological order based on when they were released um and then i want to briefly get into the the older series um but then clone wars on is where we're really going to put our focus so jumping into the the beginning of lucasfilm animation we have droids and ewoks which is really the first sign that we got that George Lucas had this intention that Star Wars fit into the animation format. I feel like he always had um, this desire to put Star Wars in animation. Interestingly enough, according to Wikipedia, both of these shows premiered on the same day. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a hundred percent accurate, but that's what Wikipedia <laughs> said. So, oh yeah, of course it's true. This ran back to back in an hour long okay. block. Droids was first, and Ewoks was second. They were both produced by the same studio. Which I'm going to say, you actually missed a little bit of animation entry in the uh, holiday special from 1978. Where there's a five to I think it might be seven minute long thing, an animated section that first introduced Boba Fett in action. Uh, yeah. Well, hey. same studio. Same studio did that, and because they did that so well, uh, that same yeah. studio got to do Droids and Ewoks back to back. Well, they, I mean, they apparently did it well because they're bringing back the Boba Fett from the holiday special for The Mandalorian. Obviously, I think that's really neat. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So so to give everybody out some context, the Boba Fett from the holiday special is very little like the Boba Fett we all know and love today. In fact, for a while there, it wasn't the real Boba Fett. It was actually, there was a story somewhere along the line where that was somebody impersonating Boba Fett. That was, I think it was Jodo cast at a certain point. Um, some other nerd I'm sure can correct me on Twitter. That'll be fine. But Fett has this long rifle with a, a, a tuning fork pronged end and that's the same weapon that john favreau's new series the mandalorian his main character seems to be wielding so that's pretty dang deep cut that they're making there which is really kind of encouraging yeah no i love it i think it's a lot of fun 
Um, but he he also in that in that short little thing uh, that the he, I think Boba Fett was actually riding a lizard, which inspired the one in Revenge of the Sith that Obi Wan rides. Similar, I think. Dinosaur. Yeah, it's like yeah. Why not, right? It it's like a little. I I I haven't seen all of the holiday special because because you should not. It's yeah. because it's bad. Don't do it, guys. Because I like Star Wars, but I do want to sit down and watch Droids and Ewoks because I just think like one, I really like animation, and I when I was growing up, I did watch some of the, like the older '80s, uh, early '90s animation. You know, like Smurfs mm-hmm. uh, and some stuff like that that wacky racers and just some things that I caught that were like replaying on Cartoon Network or whatever. But this, I mean, Ewoks ran for two seasons. Droids ran for one season. And I just need to sit down and I'm sure they're on YouTube or I know somebody who could yep. hook me up. You know who you are. Uh, but because <laughs> that, that wasn't shady at all. <laughs> uh but, it's a dude with a trench coat opens it up, and he's got like what discs of old cartoons no, or no. something in there. VHS, we're VHS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm so droids. Droids had fourteen episodes, and the funny thing is that Ewoks had thirty-five episodes. Wow. Which I always thought was, which I think is pretty strange there. Um, but ewoks the ewok series was nominated for two different awards including best animation series would you like to guess what it lost to and or some of the other nominated uh animated shows god the the only things i could think of were like G.I. Joe or Care Bears or Transformers or one of those ones. Ah, just... You are so close. Oh, what so is close. it? A few more years further than those guys. Well, it lost to um, the tried and true champion of all animation, Garfield and Friends. I mean. <laughs> but uh, look at listen to the other things in the category and tell me if this is not a robbery by the Academy of whatever. It was also nominated were ALF. The Adventures of the Gummy Bears, which was evidently a show. DuckTales. Hey, whoa, whoa. Gem. It gets worse, it gets worse. No, no, no. My Little Pony and Friends, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and The Real Ghostbusters. So keep in mind, Garfield beat all of those other things. And this is for Best Animation Style? Series. So like the whole for the year, whole series. This is what no 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 just for like that one particular year. Well, so like yeah, the yeah, one yeah. season. But for the but yeah, like yeah. Can how, you imagine? How does Ducktales not take that with a landslide? I'm sorry, you you meant to say how does Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles not take that? But I'll I'll forgive you for that one, okay? And, and keep I in mind, have an the Ewoks there. were nominated for that. How is that possible? These things are garbage. <laughs> so that that's what I like. That's what I find interesting is these are like infamously bad shows. They're really bad. But the holiday special is what gets harped on as like the bad like the really the if you if you listen to Star Wars conversation you would think like the holiday special was the only thing that was really truly universally accepted as bad, but I feel like these <laughs> shows were as well. I mean 
there are a couple crazy commentators who rate these episodes pretty highly. I, I, I took a little a little exercise here that I looked at the because um, IMDb.com has individual ratings for individual episodes, so you can actually rank the episodes from best to worst, which is kind of a funny thing to do. So if you do that, then the Ewoks episode with the highest rating is 7.3 stars out of 10. It's called Asha, and it is summarized thusly. Kinesa suspects a mysterious feral Ewok in the forest is her long-lost sister and searches for her to confirm it. Dun-dun-dun. That is the season finale of season one of the Ewok series. That sounds extremely compelling. (laughs) <laughs> Good to know that Dave Filoni had a lot to live up to when he took over the well, Helmet animation. Wait, wait till I read you the droids one. The droids episode, top-rated episode. John, I'm not even going to tell you what it's rated. The top-rated episode, also season one, episode 13, which is odd, says this. Governor Kung releases a deadly biological weapon to kill Mungo Bayabob and his friends. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, man. I mean... It's so goofy. It's ridiculous. And, okay, so were these ever really, truly, like, canon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, they... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Droid series uh, takes place in-universe before A New Hope and was the only real source of background information on R2-D2 and C-3PO before we see them on the Tantive Four. The Ewok series takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and one of, is only one of a few entries of actual information between those two films. Like, Shadows of the Empire is the big one that tells us yeah. anything that happens there but ewoks is like the next best thing for the all long time well and that's and, something i find really interesting is like droids being the first and really the only content that you had between revenge of the sith and a new hope for a very long time like that was an mm-hmm. era that was not touched i mean i know there were a few specifically yeah it was they specifically stayed away from that era for yeah. a long time until until rebels really so I think it's just interesting, like, retrospectively to think that it took all the way till the Disney purchase to to really get some content <laughs> in that area, except for droids. Well, I, I think it's interesting that we're, we're spending so much time there now, too. Like, a lot of the new information oh, yeah. since the Disney purchase has been in that era. We got a whole new movie. We had two movies in that time period, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So there's there's two last little tidbits of information specific to these series that are kind of neat little trivia things. Um, and they give it a little bit more credibility, which is sad. But um, the only actor who appeared in either of these series that was previously connected is, of course, Anthony Daniels reprising his role as C-3PO. Because he's the only one who can ever do that voice. But the Droids series has also got something kind of interesting about it. Ben Burt, who is the sound designer and editor for a lot of the films, has five writing credits to the show, which means he wrote for five of the episodes of the show. And I can't find any other examples of uh, – let me, let me just double check. I didn't think that Ben Burt had any real writing credit, credits to his name. So it was kind of interesting that this is kind of the first and last time they ever let him in that writer's room. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. I didn't know that. Another kind of thing while you're looking up that up uh, that 
I just really love, even, even not having seen these shows, but uh, Forces of Destiny brought back in one of the Ewok episodes, it canonized the Gorax, which is the species that uh, kind of torments the Ewoks in the series, um, kind of their predator. And I just love, like, between that and, you know, bringing back the the weapon from the holiday special and just all these little nods to kind of the star wars history but not banging it over the head um even the the ice cream maker from Ro- will Rohood, hood i think is fantastic. <laughs> yep that's cool yeah a lot of these kind of these shows seem to be mined a little bit for some of these things and it's not like for anything major but these weird little connections are kind of neat little pieces of continuity between them yeah it's kind of cool new and, stuff and old stuff and so speaking of like something that kept the story going we jump forward to 2003 so it was almost 20 years before we got uh some more star wars animation and you get the 2003 series of clone wars the tartakovsky clone wars we have done a whole episode uh on this show so if you want to check that out make sure you jump back and listen to that we'll link it in the show notes but this is, like I said, the return of Star Wars to animation, and I, like I said before, was totally against it. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, because honestly, like, so I would have been 13 at the you time. You non-believer, you. I didn't heretic. Know, I didn't know, like, droids or Ewoks existed. Uh, like, in retrospect, I, not that I had to have a fan card uh you know for being a star wars fan but in terms of like what i knew existed there's i knew so little of what actually existed <laughs> out there i like didn't know the role-playing games i only knew like the oh. video games of the movies uh the young adult or young jedi knight series like i didn't know most of the books that were out there the sh- like I look back now and I laugh at my 13-year-old entitled fan self who was like, well, I don't want to watch animated Star Wars. <laughs> uh, that's what I sounded like when I was 13. I bet it was. I've really gone downhill. Um, <laughs> but this was really the, the testing ground uh, for is animated Star Wars something that that the fans would want um, in, in a very similar way to the, the special editions being a testing ground to see if people would go back to the theater to see Star Wars uh, for the prequels. And obviously, like, we've gotten three ep- or three series since then, so it did the right thing, it hit the right buttons, uh, and it was a huge success. Other than, like, what we talked about on the last show, Drew, is there any notes you wanted to add on the 2003 Clone Wars series? The only item I did want to add is that um, the, the, the C-3PO model that's used in that micro-series is almost a carbon copy of the one from the Droids series from 1985. Now, I know that sounds pretty ridiculous because you're talking about a hand-drawn character who doesn't really have any facial expressions nor deviation nor aging, so it doesn't change from shot to shot or from show to show. But I think it's interesting that they they really did kind of, I think that they went back and used the original design from the 85 cartoon and updated it into the, the into the micro series. Because if you put them side by side, it's very difficult to tell outside of the quality of the, you know, the cell and the images and whatnot, which one is which. 
like they're almost exactly the same. But if you compare things like the Clone Wars 3PO model to like the Rebels 3PO model, you can clearly tell the differences there. So I just kind of feel like it's the one character that is this through line on all of these entries, and it's almost exactly the same. Kind of a strange set of circumstances to me. Yeah. But it, it stood out to me when I was looking at the images from the Droids show because there's no way I'm watching any of those episodes. <laughs> um, I was like, this looks oddly familiar. Why is that? And then when I saw the micro series again on the list, I said, it's the exact same design. How crazy is that? That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I... I... I mean, the the Clone Wars and the Rebels 3PO definitely have the same feel to them, but because the animation style is a little more uh, different um, with Rebels, mm-hmm. a little more, like, stylized and... It gets refined over the years, and yeah. it gets a little bit more professional. Yeah, so moving on, really, to, to the big hitters. We get to 2008, and we get the Clone Wars. Uh, Yay! <laughs> This is, I would argue, this might be the most beloved piece of Star Wars. Like, universally beloved. Um, and it It's kept, a bold claim. I mean... You mean out of the animation entries or no, out of I all would, available I, entries? I would say out of all available entries, it, there is an argument to be made. I don't know if I really feel that way. I would I have to sit and think <laughs> on it. But no, I think. But there are people on the internet who might agree with. Yeah, I think you're making <laughs> things up now, dude. No, I think there's. I think there's an argument to be made for it because it kept Star Wars alive for a huge contingent of fans and brought in a whole new generation after the prequels, uh, who would really be the people that would keep it going um, and that have kept it going. Like, I feel like the community around Clone Wars has been just amazing um and i've spoken ad nauseum about what like why i like this show and what ahsoka means to me and and all that that stuff but like the reason i really appreciate this show is it really kick-started my fandom again um and i think you can't ignore uh clone wars and how varied the stories are uh which was something really new that we got and because of that it matters a lot to a lot of different people um some are really into the like the emotional visceral side of what makes us human and then others are just able to watch and go that's a really great adventure show did you see akbar you know when he was younger um and stuff like that so yeah i think there's definitely an argument to be made that this might be the most beloved piece of Star Wars anything? Hmm. Mm. Send your feedback and thoughts to well, because podcast I, at clashingsabers.net. I don't know what our email address is. I've never emailed us. <laughs> clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, ah, close. Yeah, yeah, you were right there. Just a couple letters out of place. Yeah, that's all. I just think that, like, the original... Tri- I mean, it's obviously not the prequels. Um, I think Clone Wars <laughs> definitely beats Rebels in terms of people liking it. 
um, or loving it, rather. And so I think it really comes down to, is it the original trilogy or is it the, uh, the Clone Wars? And I feel like the, there is a large group of fans who are fans of the original trilogy who maybe aren't as invested now as they once were, you know, when it, when it first came out, um, and who are Star Wars fans, but are not like deep into the fandom like we are. Whereas those people who are deep into the fandom are going back and rewatching Clone Wars and the fact that we get this return of season seven, I think says a lot to what, what the show means to the fandom. Hmm. It's an interesting idea. And I, especially like in its context of this coming out after revenge of the Sith. So essentially everyone thought we were done with star Wars films and, and action. And there was no real concrete plan for more going forward. So, uh, universally beloved i don't know is 100 percent accurate but i feel like for a strong contingent of fans that yes this is probably their gateway into the universe although let me ask you a question for the people who really latched on to the star wars universe through the clone wars show what is that relationship with the classic trilogy like because almost none of those characters appear so how do you think that a person who grew up with the Clone Wars being their original source material, do you think they have a, not as strong, but do you think they have a reasonably strong connection to the original trilogy go? I would, I would argue. Yes. Um, I would, I would say because Clone Wars touches on a lot of the themes, uh, that we get in the original trilogy, um, and that maybe it just goes on a different angle or goes a little bit deeper into them, especially like with Ahsoka. I think there's a lot that Ahsoka and Anakin, or excuse me, Ahsoka, well, there's definitely a lot that Ahsoka and Anakin have in common, but I think there's a lot of Ahsoka and Luke connections, and so I think that <sighs> there's definitely that possibility there. Um, I think the one thing. Not the one thing, but a thing that makes the original trilogy so lasting is it has so many different types of characters. Um, and so there's there's a character really there for everybody to, to attach to, which I think is something you also get um, in Clone Wars. So I would argue, yeah. If you're, I mean... But again, you and I started with the original trilogy, um, you know, yeah. watching that. So it's like... It's hard to put yourself in those shoes. Like it, it's hard to think of life without the original trilogy of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't think without those those same three entries to go back to, this doesn't work as well for me. Um, I think partially because kind of like what you were saying with the the way the characters are structured and the, and the themes that it touches on and the universality of those different issues, you know, with there only being like what six or seven different stories that all things tell us and every good story is really about identity and and how the characters in the classic star wars are so so accessible um and everybody can kind of imprint onto somebody in that story and say that's like my story you know we all want to be all, all of us think we come from nowhere and we all aspire to to leave home and go off and have some kind of crazy adventure and do something worthwhile and contribute to society at large or um, you know, some of us are broken, damaged people, and, and all we want to do is make a quick buck and get by, or we're out there, you know, 
on some hero's quest of confronting evil and saving the universe. So I feel like those movies are... I, I don't know that if somebody doesn't have those, if they have a strong connection to the rest of this, but I, I agree that the Clone Wars saga helps make that jump so much more successfully because at least it introduces you to the concept of the world. It kind of gets you f- familiar with the, the general principles of how the, the world works, um, even though it's so radically different in-universe, you know, pre-fall of the, the Republic versus post and rise of the Empire. Um, well, and I think... I, I'm tripping over that most beloved entry. Like that's that's a strong claim because Empire Strikes Back is just nigh unto perfect, um, and I uh, it's really good. The Clone Wars series. Don't get me wrong; it's really good, except for that movie, the four episodes that they yeah. turn into a film. That was... which I have, and my kids love watching it. Um, <laughs> just to it's a challenge. What? Whatever. I... Um. I think Ugh. one thing... It gets so much better as it goes on. Like, oh, it hits yeah. the turn point in season two, and I can't remember which episode it is, but there's a point, and I've said this before, but the, the moment it clicked for me was when Anakin's flying a ship and he comes out of hyperspace and he's in the middle, he, he finds himself in the middle of a dogfight. This is like halfway through season two, um, and he's surprised and taken aback and he's flustered and he's trying to make it through it is such a well done piece of entertainment like it's exciting you're on the edge of your seat you're kind of like oh my gosh he's thrown for a loop you're thrown for a loop which makes us in infinitely more invested in what's going on um it's so it just gets better and better and better as as it goes on george lucas has less and less and less to do with it it just it's it gets better (laughs) i think that like one of the reasons the show is so impactful or two reasons, really. One, it adds a lot to where we are in Revenge of the Sith um, and just kind of the state of everything. Because mm-hmm. I think that was one of the... I think one of the biggest issues with the prequels is that it was trying to tell too big of a story in too short of an amount of time, which Clone Wars allowed for an expansion on that. But also... Like, you've got, what, three years in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith where the Clone Wars are going on? And Yeah, yeah, and it would be really easy to assume, like, oh, it's just going to get really crowded and we're going to get battle after battle and it's all going to be the same. But you get such a diverse amount of stories. I mean, you got everything from, (laughs) like, political thrillers to even a show... Like when uh, when Ahsoka loses her lightsaber and is going around with the old uh, Ninja Turtles uh, guy, <laughs> I love him. But like on paper, I had so- almost forgotten about that. Almost. It's it is it's a good, it's solid episode, and it brings a lot of character development to Ahsoka. I think. Um, but that. <laughs> That aside, we are, like we kind of briefly mentioned, we are getting Season 7, Clone Wars is Saved. And I just was kind of wondering, Drew, because you and I haven't really talked about this. What are you, what are your thoughts on, on Clone Wars coming back for Season 7? I am cautiously optimistic because I think it's going to be really well done. I don't think we should have anything less than a, a strong level of confidence in the guys running it. I think that's going to be fine. I'm concerned about the quality of storytelling. Well, not storytelling, but like 
the way it ended, even if you kind of ignore the lost missions like that, that half of season six or whatever it was, you know, that was on Netflix only, maybe. I'm not sure if I've got that right. It was on Netflix and then released on Blue. On DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Home video. Home Uh, video. All right. Be kind to rewind. I think that the way it ended at the end of season five with her walking away from the temple and the order is a really good bookend because you kind of get the impression that from there revenge of the sith is supposed to pick up very very soon thereafter at least i did and the season six i almost have to take it and put it out of order kind of like that anachronistic approach where things aren't really just because it appears last doesn't mean it was last chronologically um which I know a lot of the Clone Wars is not in chronological order, and that is frustrating. Why would you do that? It is not okay to tell a linear story out of order like that. You're not Memento. Come on, guys. Anyway. Well, it, there's there's like an episode that happens in season two that is like... It's supposed to like take place in five? The movie. Yeah. Ugh. It's bad. It's not, it's not okay. It's not okay. Anyway, we're not talking about that. I'm concerned about bringing Ahsoka back so quickly. Um, I don't really like the idea of Anakin knowing she's out there. Um, especially with how Vader reacts seeing her in Rebels. Like, uh, okay, so because you... well, hang on, hang on, because I all right, asterisk footnote. I haven't seen seasons three and four yet. I'm working on it. Ish. No, no, no. I was gonna say, you have you read the Ahsoka novel? I have. Okay, so her death is is staged. Her and Rex. So. Wait. Um, when I say I've read it, I remember reading the words on the page and finishing the book. Okay, so. But the totality of what I recall is not super high. Something about. A shipping company and yeah. somebody with boxes. <laughs> Basically, but but it's not. Darth like, Maul is in the prologue for some reason. Siege of Mandalore, which we're gonna see. But no, the the important part there is Rex, uh, Ahsoka, like put her lightsaber. Her lightsabers were like put on top of a grave, um, and like her and Rex's deaths were faked, uh, which is why you know vader doesn't go after him is is he would have already known that they were dead and, and for all intents and purposes like i think there was another clone who was put in rex's spot um and i don't remember exactly how they faked ahsoka's death but uh yeah after i believe after the siege of mandalore which we're gonna see there's no like record of ahsoka until you know she comes back uh as fulcrum so do you would you expect then maybe or would you I don't know if predict is the right word but do you think the la- these this last season 7 will end with Anakin thinking that the two of them have died? I would think so. I think that the siege of Mandalore is important for us to see because of that and then also I think you need to take Maul essentially off the board as far as the overall galaxy being concerned with him. Um, yeah, I would like I would not expect to see him in these ten episodes. Oh no, he's him him and Ahsoka fight in at the Siege of Mandalore. Well, that's, that's not the same thing of him being in the show. 
I mean, we're gonna see the Siege of Mandalore, so... I mean, you would have to really do some crafty storytelling to effectively tell that story without having Ahsoka and Maul fight, because in the season two finale, he calls her Lady Tano. He knows she... He calls her a part-timer. So he's making clear references to the fact that he knows she's not a part of the Jedi Order anymore. And I think that points like straight to the fact that of course they're going to have the one-on-one and then also in the book it's it's confirmed that they have the fight so it's definitely going to happen i think what's get my presumption of what's going to happen is that order 66 will happen while they're actually fighting whoa bold prediction i like it that will actually be why neither ahsoka nor maul finishes the other off is that they are going to like the clones will identify lightsabers or whatever and assume that it's a jedi um and i don't know how it all plays out because i'm not that smart but yeah i think that's going to kind of be what breaks them and then there's going to be the the fake deaths and, and we'll see ahsoka's i would i would really like i guess uh if the show ended with like ahsoka and rex's funerals and Hmm. placing like the final scene being like ahsoka's lightsabers being placed on the grave or something uh i don't know how you would pull that off because at that point the empire has taken over um and who's going to be the person that really does that uh maybe you have obi-wan do it before he takes luke off uh to to tatooine or something like that but i think you could really have a lot of potential there Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I've, I'm looking at IMDb again because it is my source for a lot of, of ridiculous information. And the Clone Wars page has a full series cast on it. So you can see every actor who's played and all the roles that they've played, how many episodes they've been in, and the years in which those episodes uh, played. So let me give you an example. Tom Kane is the name of the guy who plays the narrator. He's the one who's like, During the Battle of Coruscant at the beginning of every episode, whatever. And he has a- also Yoda. He's several different guys. He has 131 episodes, and they range from 2008 to 2019. That would tell me, it's pretty clear, that he is in the, he's going to be doing either that role or other roles in this new show, right? That seems like a, a, a reasonable, logical step. Uh, James Arnold Taylor plays Obi-Wan Kenobi he has, and other guys. He has 89 episodes and is also listed from 2008 to 2019. By comparison... Ashley Eckstein, as Ahsoka, has 62 episodes from 2008 to 2014. The plot doth thicken. And our good buddy Sam Witwer, as Darth Maul, and also the voice of The Sun, which I didn't know, has nine episodes, 2011 to 2013. So those two character actors are not yet listed for the, the new show, but... We've seen in the trailer that Ahsoka's back, and there is no way anybody but Ashley Eckstein would ever do that. So it's just kind of an interesting little. There's something weird going on where maybe they're trying to keep some of those in, maybe keep that a surprise. But I don't know. Just kind of looking at all the information that's available on the internet, and because it's on the internet, you have to trust it. I mean, there's no way that it's ever going to be less than 100% reputable, right? Right. No, exactly. Uh, All right, good. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) 
But, I like how we said we're not going to talk a lot about the Clone Wars, and we've been here for 30 minutes on this. Yeah, so <laughs> we we should probably move on. Uh, so let's I mean, go ahead. don't get me wrong, it's fine. No, 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 I, I do want to jump into because into the the next series because, I mean... We gotta get to the new stuff. Well, and we gotta get to Rebels. I mean, this is... I've heard of that. This I've heard is of it. my show. I, this is a show, like, Clone Wars, for me, it, it centers around how much I love Ahsoka and the development that it gives for Anakin and Obi-Wan. Rebels is the show that I'm really personally connected with, like, storylines, characters, what was going on in the fandom, what was going on in my personal life, like, Rebels was a major player in all of that stuff, uh, so, to me, it's it's my show um and the thing that like i feel like this show centers around and that it emphasizes more really than any other part uh of the the series does or the saga does is the idea of the found family um i think we 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 definitely have that in the original trilogy without a doubt with han luke and leia but Mm -hmm. they spend so much time apart um, during that series or during the you know the series of films and here in rebels you get the characters together the majority of the time and i also think it's really interesting coming out of the prequels which i think it's intentionally absent uh the found family i think is intentionally absent from the prequels to going into rebels and and seeing how this rebellion is built around the idea of family um, hmm. you have like going back to Leia, um, you know, and her parents starting it, and then you have uh, this this Rebels crew, um, and then going to Rogue One, and you you know Cassian tells Jin welcome home, and Baze calls her little sister. Um, so there's another found family there. Like I think there's a very big emphasis on the fact uh, that family was a major factor in in the rebellion, and not just the the blood family factor of of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, I Drew, agree. Drew does nothing but agree with me. Oh, this is a first. Mark that one. Okay. Except, so, <laughs> except for, except for. Uh, but the other thing that I I think really works for Rebels is that these characters are all extremely relatable um, in in one way or another. I know you haven't gotten there yet, um, but Sabine has a major uh, moment of regret and remorse for some actions that she has committed prior to uh, Rebels, which I think I, – I, I don't want to say it now because I think you'll really appreciate it when you get to it, and it, it's definitely an episode that you want to experience. We've talked about okay. Kanan a lot with his continual mm. rising and fall. Oh. I think that's – extremely extremely relatable especially to uh you know the the people who have grown up with the series uh you know for years and years and then i think i think even like some even ezra who is a character i'm not as crazy about i don't i don't dislike ezra uh but he's not like in the same echelons as kanan and hera for me but his uh his arrogance that turns later to the humility that we see in season four i think is 
something we could all learn a little bit from. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, even like you have it's getting Hera, personal. You have Hera as the uh, the mother figure, the parental figure, and even like Zeb. You know, he he comes from this background of honor and working for the honor guard. And now he's, like, trying to find his real place in the world, you know, and where he belongs because he feels like he doesn't have his people anymore. So they're just all these these archetypes that we see throughout film, but they're all brought in, and they're all brought in so perfectly to balance each other out and create uh, this found family. I just, I love Rebels. No, it's really good. I, 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 I'm trying to get through to make sure I can fin- finish the next two seasons. Um. I, I even rented it twice from the library so that I could try and watch it. And, and the first time, the disc was scratched, so I couldn't watch it. So I had to get another copy of it. And then, of course, I never put it in. And now that Daredevil Season 3 is released, and, and that's just going to... I'm going to have to watch that, too. So you guys are killing me with all the things I have to watch. So I'm working on it. But I do like... I, I, I do like it. It does, again, it's another one of these situations where it gets better over time. This one started at a higher level quality than I think Clone Wars did. Yeah, for um, sure. When it first debuted. So that's not a bad place to begin. Like, the first season of Rebels is pretty good. I feel like they, they tried to get a lot of the things they had to do out of the way so they could tell the story they wanted to tell, which is kind of nice. You know, their Leia cameos, their... Uh, I think isn't Lando Calrissian in one of the episodes in that season too? Yeah, he's in. That's a terrible decision. Um, but no, I I I really enjoyed season two, uh, especially the way that it ended. Kind of a lot more mythological, and things get a little bit more crazy. And I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, Ezra. We're going to talk about main characters who start yeah. off pretty annoying. We're going to get there. <laughs> uh, so one thing. Like, one major critique I have for the show is I feel like they, as the show went on, the show got better, but the villains got worse. Um, Really? I, yeah, I mean. Don't you say bad things about Thrawn. Do not say bad things about Thrawn. I will not watch it. (laughs) I, I, I really do like Thrawn, and I like the character created for him. Uh, I, I like really everything that they did with him um i just feel like there was an effort to keep him kind of mysterious in season three to be able to drag it out to season four and because of that there's major parts in season three where you're kind of i kind of feel like "Mm, why is this being told or why is this being told in this order uh or certain things it just uh, I feel like season three had a little more filler, uh, quote unquote, than was maybe necessary. Really? Uh, But then you bring it to season four and I, season four is amazing. It is near perfect. It is Mm, near perfect. I, I, I think everything that they did from how they brought Thrawn back in to how they wrapped everything up. Even, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, you saw like the, the trailers and pictures that came out when season four was coming out, right? Like you, you're aware yeah. of the characters. Okay. So like, um, even yeah, I'm aware of most, like people exist. <laughs> our, most of our, them. Okay. So like Emperor Palpatine makes an appearance and like, yep. 
everything that they did there just i think worked uh absolutely masterfully whereas in season three i feel like there was kind of like is thrawn our big bad guy is maul our big bad guy but wait we've got to tell why obi-wan's not there and and so because they were trying to kind of tie up a bunch of loose ends to get ready for season four i feel like there were some places it stumbled but overall yeah, I, I, I love Rebels. And there's also a lot of freedom when you know that you have an end date for things. Like when you yes, going into absolutely. season three, it's it's very likely that they did not yet know that season four was going to be their last one. So they're kind of filling in and, and letting things expand. You know, This is similar to the problem that Lost had when it was on TV. In fact, when they got to season three, they didn't know how long the show was going to last. And so they had to keep coming up with new, weirder things, and none of it was very interesting. But then when they were able to finally put a bookend and say, okay, here's the end of the story we want to tell, everything picked up and everything started firing on all kinds of cylinders. And that's probably not an unreasonable thing that happened in the show, too. Like, that's that third year for a lot of entertainment properties across the board. Season one is usually a lot of fun and interesting because it's new. Season two is is a lot more fun because they're able to take what they learned and improve upon it. But season three is when big questions get to, gets, get asked to say, what are we doing now? And that's not an uncommon problem for them to have. And, and I'm looking forward to three mainly because of, like you said, the Obi-Wan uh, appearance which is on the back of the DVD box. If you're trying to save it as like a special thing, don't put his picture on the box, guys. Come on. I mean, I think it was kind of out there already. Was it? Yeah. Was it I mean, widely known that they were going to do that? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the, the previous episodes in season three, there's a lot of allusion to Obi-Wan. Uh, really? and Yeah. So, and then also, like, they advertised the heck out of it when it was coming out. Like, we all saw his face before the episode came out. It was the same thing with Maul. Like, the Maul appearance wasn't a shocking appearance. I, I don't understand that. Why not I save don't... those things as crazy, like, jump-out-of-your-seat moments? Like, the Vader in this, the hallway at the end of Rogue One. You know, that kind of, like monstrously impactful moment like those things are so much better when you can experience them not knowing they're coming like it changes everything when you do yeah i think possibly it's because the the target market might be kids who that's true you know like dang it kids kids. yeah so it it just kind of changes (laughs) uh i can't say that and put it on the internet it'll get me in trouble Kids uh, ruin everything. You're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> um. So then, speaking of kids, we're gonna jump forward to modern day, if you will, uh, and the kiddiest of the shows, which is. Absolutely... I don't know about that, but okay. Whoa! Resistance is definitely the most kid-centric show. <laughs> It doesn't have big blocks in it. I don't know, dude. It doesn't have teddy bears. No, no, no. Out of the big three, I consider Clone Wars Rebels Resistance the big three, and it's definitely the the most child. Well, not not childish, because that's kind of demeaning to it, but it is the most kid-centric 
um, uh, it's targeted directly at children far more than Rebels or Clone Wars was. I, I kind of find the, the the reaction around the show really interesting because there was the whole hate campaign that started so early with mm-hmm. bots and everything going and disliking the videos. And then I think for the most part, fandom said, you know, like this might not be for me, but I'll check it out and see how things go. Um, and, you know, I'll probably keep up with it, but maybe not religiously. And then it comes out, and I think there was a, a good bit of surprise, myself included, about how good the show was. Uh, it's a it's a really solid show. Um, when I started watching it, I was in the, the camp of, I'm going to watch this because it's Star Wars, you know, and what the hell, yeah. it's like 20 minutes, you know. Um, but... Now I'm of the opinion I think it's going to be a solid show. I don't know if it'll ever reach like Rebels Clone Wars level uh, of belovedness for myself or for for most people. Mostly because there's just not going to be a lot of the Mythic Force stuff um, because of the time period that we're in. um, And there just not being a whole lot of that going on. Um, you're not gonna. You're plain and simple not gonna see any Jedi in this series. The mm. only possible, the only possible Force users I think you see are Kylo, which we pretty much have confirmed because Adam Driver uh, is on the page. Uh, Shut IMDb. up! Yeah, Shut your mouth! Are you serious? Yeah, go check IMDb. He's on the page. I'm going uh, right now. So we we have him. We don't know to what extent he's going to be involved. There's the possibility of the Knights of Ren in there, but I don't think with the if we're focusing on that dark side, quote unquote, dark side contingent, I don't think we're gonna get a lot of the lore aspect of it. I think we might get a lot of the the action, you know, red lightsabers destroying everything kind of stuff. Um, maybe like something crazy like Kylo pulling a ship out of the sky or something like that and making it crash. But I don't think in terms of like what we saw with uh, uh, Kanan in the Jedi Temple or Mortis or anything like that. We're not going to see that level of stuff. But I still think that this is going to add a lot to the sequel trilogy um, by by bringing to light what is happening in the galaxy around them in, in a very similar way to how Lost Stars really informs what's going on for the layperson in the galaxy around the original trilogy interesting stuff okay i'm 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 looking for adam driver but i'm not seeing him on the cast list but there are a lot of names that are on here that kind of surprised me the first time i saw them um elijah wood is going to be playing a character obviously we know gwendolyn christie as phasma and oscar isaac as poe dameron um obviously anthony daniels as c3po because we have to have him in everything um Donald Faison is actually the voice of Hype Faison, which is like, I, th- I think he's the Rodian pilot yeah, guy. Um, Sam Witwer, again, is is in the cast list, but is not listed as a Maul character, so that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that stands out immediately. Greg Proops, as the uh, race announcer, I think is really clever, since he was the voice of the, the two-headed thingy from... Yeah. Episode one. Bead. Really um, interesting. And I, I think it's hilarious that, like, 
initially when people heard it, they thought it was Foden Bead, which I thought yeah. it was Foden Bead as well. But it's actually a guy doing a parody of Foden Bead, and I, it's just quirky and weird and funny. I don't really <laughs> like it. Uh, but it's kind of clever. Overall, like, so you watched, have you seen just the first episode or did you see the first three? No, I, I have seen all that have been released to date. So the first episode, which was, I think, actually two episodes back to back. I'm not really sure how they're doing I, that. I think that they Let me see if I can find it, that answer. I think they considered it just one episode. Um, okay. Because when Clone Wars and more particularly Rebels did the, the two parters. Uh, they would, well, I don't think Clone Wars did it at all, but Rebels for sure, when they did like a 45 minute episode, they would call it, yeah. you know, part one and part two. Um, and then just on the broadcast, they would combine it together. This okay. one, on yeah, that's the actual, the... like the, the season pass on Amazon, it's all one episode. One episode. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing as well. So yes, I have seen the first and the second ones, then the Triple Dark episode, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay, so I think this show shines best in the uh, flight sequences. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised about that. When you watch these ships, and even really, even the ships when they're not moving, are absolutely stunning to look at. The cell shading technology is really good for motion and for giving weight to things like that, it is not awesome on characters. Um, these characters are, are a little bit challenging to deal with. They're a little bit rough. But I think that we have to remember, again, like you had said before, who is the audience this is for? Um, this is not for guys you and I. This is not for the average person who probably even listens to our show. It's like, this is for your kids. And that's okay. Um I'm probably going to give it another week or two before I show it to my kids, just because I know they're going to want to watch two or three or four of them back to back. So giving them like a 42 minute episode and then a 22 minute episode isn't a long enough nap for me to actually enjoy. So I have to wait for it to build up a little bit, but I definitely want to make sure that they see it because this is something my kids would love. They would absolutely love this kind of stuff. Um, and, and there's, the ships as they go flying through the rings and the animation of like the lights that trail behind them is very Akira-esque, which is really cool. I, I think it was pretty neat to see it now because one of the questions we had at the beginning was, how anime-inspired is this thing really going to be and what does that even mean? And I think we can see a lot of the inspirations from like the Macross, the Robotech series, those kind of 80s, 90s space mech suits kind of things and that's a lot of fun i think it's going to be really neat to see where this goes but i think the one prediction that i'm going to make is that by the end of the first season something massive will transform into something else like into a robot or a spaceship or a spaceship will transform into something else but we're going to see some kind of shifting from one thing to another because that was a kind of large element in a lot of those 80s 90s space adventure shows where ships would become suits of armor or like a Gundam or something like that. And I feel like that's probably something that Dave Filoni is going to pick up on and is going to want to use. So I wouldn't be surprised if like the whole Colossus space station or what is yeah. it? Some mining station or what are they doing out there in the middle of nowhere? I'm not really I, sure. I, it's, I think it's just a refueling station. Uh, so it's a gas station just in the middle. <sighs> I, 
I don't that really kind of stuff is what, what kind of bothers me. I don't know if we're ever going to get more appropriate level information than that. Yeah. Because, again, of who the audience is. But stuff like that, okay, it's a gas station out in the middle of, the pl- of, a, of, of a planet made of water. Uh, okay, sure. But I would not be surprised if that whole station That's what I- makes some kind of transformation to, into some other kind of like, you know, it grows legs and arms and blaster cannons and starts shooting things. I don't know. I I hadn't considered it before, but now that you say it, yeah, I definitely could see the entire Colossus. And there's some precedents for, like, an entire building, essentially, of that sort, just lifting off um, in... Oh? Season... Not sure where you're going with this, but I like it. Season four of Rebels. Um, I, God, I need to rewatch it because it's not, like, burned into my memory yet. Um, but... The it's not really a spoiler, but uh, the you know like the Senate looking building, the little political building in in the city. On um, on Lothal. On Lothal, yeah. Uh, it looks like pretty much exactly like the the Senate building. It's actually it has like an emergency system where it can actually take off um, to get the Imperial <laughs> officers out. It, so like the clock. Oh no, quick everybody run and I just imagine it slowly floating up like, <laughs> <laughs> It's a there there's a whole bunch of balloons. It's like up all lifted. It's it's cute. It's adorable. You'll love it. Uh oh my gosh. <laughs> Not but, really uh, sure about that. The uh, the Colossus possibly doing that and maybe like being the way that the resistance escapes, you know, the first order or something like that, I think could be could be really really cool. Overall, like, where do you want to see this show go? I have my ideas on where it'll go, but I okay. Hear your thoughts first because I think I might have a little bit of information that you don't. Okay. Well, before we get there, I I, I want to ask you because I'm having trouble finding it right away on the interwebs. In one of the old expanded universe stories, speaking of this is what I thought of when you said the the something precedent transforming a building becomes another thing. There's a story, and I can't remember if it's the X-Wing novels. Ash might have to back me up on this or not, or correct me. There's a prison on Coruscant. I don't know how familiar you are with these. There's a prison on Coruscant. And there's a story about, I think it's Wedge or Wes or somebody is pr- imprisoned. That, no, it's Dodonna. General Dodonna is imprisoned in this prison on Coruscant while the Imperials still have c- control of the planet. And it turns out it's actually the belly of a Star Destroyer built into the crust of the planet. And it shoots off as the Rebellion attacks Coruscant and tries to take the, take the entire planet. And as the Empire realizes they're losing the battle, the Star Destroyer just blasts off and totally wrecks the environment. It's a really cool sequence, and I really like that, and I kind of wish that was a thing. That was still canon, but I don't think that it is. Maybe it was in a comic book? Or maybe it, it was one of the X-Wing comics? <laughs> That'd be I'm, funny. I'm almost certain that there's nothing like that in the the new canon. Uh, that definitely... It no, happened. Definitely, it's it, true. It's, Legend tells us. <laughs> Uh, there's always a bit of truth in legend. Uh, I, I think... The Lusankia, I found it. Oh, the internet is amazing. The Lusankia, okay. That's... L-U-S-A-N-K-Y-A. Go Google that, read that Wikipedia page. It's amazing. So I love it, it already. Like, so it was like in the planet? 
Yeah, it was built like it was one of this one of the uh, like it was a uh, buildings like it was part of the cityscape. It was, um, but nobody really realized what it, what it was until the engines ignited and burned up all the levels underneath of it, and then it just shoots out into the space, um, taking along with it a healthy portion of the combat that was going on in the area. That's so cool. Yeah. It, it was an ex, it was an executor class star destroyer. That's why I couldn't find it. Okay. So it was the same size and scope as um, Vader's flagship, the Executor, which of which I think there were four of those, I think, in the old canon. Four different Executor-class Star Destroyers, and there was one Eclipse-class Star Destroyer, which is my favorite because it's got its own super laser built in. None of this has anything to do with Resistance or where I think it's going to go as a show. None of it does. I um, mean, if they come up with you know a Star Destroyer that has its own super laser, that would. If the Colossus Station turned into a Star Destroyer, I would instantly like this show a hundred percent better. <laughs> I think everybody would. That's true. That would so be I great. think where does where do we want the show to go? I would really like it if they leaned into the racing element of things and made it kind of that initial D, which I know you've never heard of before. But initial D is another one of those racing anime shows from the late nineties, early two thousands. Not really sure. Um, but really lean into that. It, that first episode where he's working on the ship and they're not really sure what's going to happen and it fi- they finally take off and he kicks it into gear is definitely the highlight of that first episode, without question. Um, even the second episode, the little the attack that they have, the pirates who attack the station, is the best part of the show. Anytime those ships are in motion, things get infinitely more interesting. And I think if they lean into that, like set up like a, a cup or some kind of a qualifier or you know give us a, a season of racing where these they have to compete and they bring people in and they fail and they form teams or whatever that would be kind of cool because i think that would really just be more interesting especially that would keep it out of that my- mystical element of the force and the jedi and keep all that stuff on the side like that doesn't need to have a place in this show and if it never comes up i think that's okay like I don't think that's a bad thing if it stays away. If, if there's no lightsabers in season one of this show, I will applaud at the end of the year. Se- at the end of the season, I think that's a worthy goal to have. Do I think they're going to do it? I mean, history has proven that they won't. Like they can't I... get away from it, which isn't bad. But I feel like if they're going to do it, now is the best time to have an entry that is just about. The regular dudes. I think there's a potential um, for the. I don't know because I have it. Kylo, Kylo Ren making an appearance. Would you feel very so, strongly about that's happening. I I yeah I feel very strongly that he's at least going to appear once. Um, I don't think he'll become the the villain of the show. I think that's going to focus on uh, the the red Tie fighter pilot who should yeah. have been Cardinal and Phasma. Um, I think that's where the focus is going to be. But I I think there will be maybe a Vader like appearance of Kylo Ren, um, like Vader end of season one of Rebels, where we just get him real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, That'd be cool. Something like that. Here's a. Here's where I think this show is going. So okay. this show, where we're at right now, is six months before The Force Awakens. 
we know Force Awakens and Last Jedi happens in a relatively short span of time. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, back that sentence up. You mean Force Awakens and The Last Jedi? What did I say? I thought you'd said Return of the Jedi, but Myers might have just deceived me. Well, whatever I said. I meant Force <laughs> Awakens and Last Jedi. <laughs> um, it's I mean, that quality reporting our audience expects of us. Yes. What did I just are. say? Um, but... And, and and a piece of information that has come out post the the episodes being being put online is Kaz is actually from Hosnian Prime. Oh, I noticed they conveniently left out who his father actually was. Right. So one, there's that speculation about who oh, his wow. father is, and maybe he's the informant. But I think because his father clearly does not want him to be would not want him to be a part of the resistance. Um, and also looks down on him a lot. I think Kaz will see uh, Hosni and Prime blowing up. Will maybe maybe be close. I, I, obviously, he won't be there because then everything will be gone. But that then work, yeah. <laughs> maybe he maybe he's just you know on the verge of telling his father and finally being able to stand up to him and say like this is the man that I want to be or whatever. Um, and then he loses that chance. And how does he handle like being a part of the resistance after that? You know, does he become more gung ho like they killed my father, revenge kind? Does he become more? Should I even be here? My dad wouldn't want me here. Um, I, I, so I think what's going to happen is I think the end of season one is going to be the destruction of Hosnian Prime. That's and, a really interesting theory because the show could run continue contiguous with. The films, yes. 7, 8, 9, rather than in some kind of filler in between. That's interesting. And so then you keep the the pilot aspect of it, because I am 100% with you. Um, I, I'm i totally cool with this not touching on any of the Force lore. Um, I'm yeah. totally cool with it. I, I don't know if I would have been as cool with it before Solo, um, but Solo really showed... Solo and, honestly, Rogue One. Uh, really showed that you could not have a lightsaber. Uh, because that Vader scene is just... It's yeah. great, but it's like just an add-on to an already perfect movie. Um, so, <laughs> in terms of them executing a story without a lightsaber, I feel like it can definitely be done. And I feel like the the aces being set up as these you know great pilots... Um, and that they're defending the the Colossus and everything like that, and then they go to the Resistance, and and maybe you get the other pilots who are like, you guys are rookies now, like you 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 raced, but this is war, like this is a different type of flying, um, and maybe the Ace is having to earn their stripes again, and there's that tension between them. I think I think running parallel to the stories uh, that we got in the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, and then whatever time span is in between episodes eight and nine um that would put you at season three and beyond which you know mm. nine will already be out so you know what you need to fill in there um and then i think that you use resistance and maybe evolve it into uh you know whatever's going on with the force or you just use it as a lead into another show that focuses on that and maybe even have them run at the same time. So we know at the end of episode eight, they send out that, um, the message kind of the, the, the beacon that says, Hey, we need 
backup, we need backup, and there and nobody actually responds to that. But there's kind of this prevailing theory that the beginning of episode nine will be people rallying to that cry. What if if episode nine we actually have somebody playing Kaz in the movie? What if he's would that make him the first person to cross over from a cartoon from a show into the film? No, Saw Guerrero. Ah, oh, you're right. My man, Sagarera, I forgot. My bad. Um Good point. But but think I, about it. Like like if it runs contiguous with with seven and eight, why not just keep it going? Like, what if he's one of the like he sees Hosni and Prime destroyed, and then we know like it's twenty four hours later that the Battle of Crate commences. I don't think that we will just because is that too bold? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think too visionary. I don't think that's too bold. I think that he is still too childish of a character to like. I think if we saw him, maybe it would be like somebody in the background here. They're like, "Hey, that's Kaz walking to his X-wing." Um, I don't think he'll be anybody important. Oh. Uh, like he has a long way to go until then, and I don't feel like if you give us him in nine. After giving him really like, I mean, he he's supposed to be like twenty two, but he's really a man child. Oh, uh, really? And that's, yeah, that, he's, that is not the vibe he gives off in those episodes. Right, exactly. Oh. He gives a very very immature vibe. So, and I don't think that that's gonna like if you. It took Ezra all the way till season four of Rebels to really become that character. So you're not gonna have him be that character by the time we get to episode nine. So then if you stick him in the resistance meeting or something like that and he's all of a sudden really important, I just think it would Well, yeah. I, I don't think show I don't, I don't think showing up denotes actually important because I mean in Ro- even in Rogue One where we had images of the ghost, you, it's not like anything actually happened. Um, they never actually directly mention anything except for the, over the comm they call for Hera over over the loudspeaker. That's yeah. really the only thing like I I think you see Chopper like rolling through the background, not I murdering somebody. Like that, yeah, I think something like that would work fine. Uh, and 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 by the way, while we're talking about quirky astromech sidekicks, this this galaxy has only one room has room for uh, one murderous orange astromech, and I don't think it's Bucket. Okay, Bucket can go because Chopper will come and actually murder him <laughs> and and scatter the pieces. It's good. I. Yeah, uh, I don't know where I land on Bucket yet. Um, it, it's it's very early to tell, and I, and and I know Dave Filoni does the voice for it. And I think that's pretty obvious, but it's like, guys, come on, there is but one chopper, and he'll kill you in your sleep, and feel yeah. no remorse. I honestly don't remember anything that Bucket did in the the first three episodes. He hasn't done anything. He he yeah. kind of like warbled a little bit and kind of sh- shambles around because he doesn't have all of his pieces it's a very odd thing He's so like i'm sure a hundred years old or something like that uh, i'm sure he'll have his own episode where he goes and finds a leg or something and fails to kill anybody with it so whatever so moving forward past resistance oh um, okay thinking about the future of star wars animation we have the disney streaming service number one plus yep. the relative ease with which animation can be made nowadays i say that <laughs> obviously with giving the utmost respect to the the actual work that goes into it but it's it's chimpanzees not... do it he, he we understand what you're saying we get yes, it yes exactly but uh, there 
it doesn't cost as much money basically to make animation now as it did back in the day um and then you also have dave filoni having trained this contingent of people across two shows um and they are ready to take the reins now so considering all of that where would you like to see star wars animation go in the future hmm well i don't know that i have a whole lot of new or interesting ideas for that i'd still love something old republic like give us that rise of the jedi kind of five thousand years before the prequels kick in kind of kind of story i don't see any reason why that's not being uh viciously pursued like what's the point like what's the problem with doing that like i would love to see that in live action or animation either one i think animation would make it a little bit more interesting because you can do a lot more surreal you can do a lot more uh metaphysical depictions without losing the integrity of the actual viewing experience like that's the reason why the clone wars has like the mortis arc which makes no sense if if you try to do that with people it would look like a it would look like garbage. Um, same thing with some of the stuff in Rebels. Like when it does the – when he, what's his face? The kid Ezra is in the temple and the, he sees Yoda floating through the stars. Imagine if they had tried to do that with a puppet. I don't think so, guys. So I feel like that anything more Force-focused um, has a really good home in the animation corner of things. So I'd really like that. That would kind of be if I was given you know $150 million and allowed to go – Greenlight a project that would be what I would do. What about you? Uh, that would definitely be one that I would be interested in. A lot of it depends on where they go in episode nine. Um, That's true. Because if we if we get to episode nine and we're in a revenge of the revenge of the Sith spot where we have this this huge war going on, uh, you know, and everything like that, telling the story of how that how you got from last Jedi to there in a very clone Wars style, um, I think would be really cool. The, yeah, the, the dawn of the Jedi old Republic era is really the most tempting. Um, yeah, just because you have a, you have a huge amount of time before Phantom Menace. So you literally can tell the story for ages and ages. I mean, yeah, you could go, you could go 20 seasons and still, have plenty of time to go um the other thing that i really want more stories of is young anakin being trained by obi-wan in between uh phantom menace and attack of the clones oh interesting i want to see more of obi-wan very much like we see kanan in rebels struggling with how to be a master when he doesn't feel like he's ready I think Obi-Wan went through a lot of that um, with Anakin. And my that, that would be my out-of-the-box uh, kind of thing. Like, let's see some more of Anakin and Obi-Wan. Even if it was just like a, a Forces of Destiny-style short um, or Clone Wars 2003-style short uh, episodes, I think you could tell some, some pretty interesting stories there. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing... Um, speaking of like that kind of mythological, that training thing, like the whole Luke and Ben Solo arc of the new Academy and the destruction of that, what if that was animated? Like you could really take that into some crazy, bizarre places too. 
And that might be something that you again could do kind of an extended series of events. You don't you don't have as much constraints around the timing because there's so many years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Like you could do a whole season on Luke exploring the galaxy. You could do a whole season on the new new academy that he builds. And then you could do the fall of Ben Solo, like in an entire thing. Yeah, I think where that would find difficulty is it's made pretty clear in bloodline that luke has not been a major player in the galaxy uh since after the events of return of the jedi yeah Um, i'm fine with that no no i'm not against it but considering that that means there's not going to be a lot of luke going and you know battling people on different planets kind of thing so no, I mean I, I still think that there's there's room for that kind of a story. I think there's less of the galactic import, but again, that's kind of what Resistance is trying to do. Like if, if if they tell a story completely constrained to a gas station on a floating lake, I mean, how do you how do you expand upon that in such a way that you encompass intergalactic travel? I don't really think that's going to be something that they're trying to focus on. Especially the impression that I get is that the Star Destroyer is coming to. I don't know if they're going to blow up. They're going to try and destroy the station or take it over. We don't know what their interest is in the station. Um, I don't know if there's any connection to that versus what the Empire was trying to do on Jakku, you know, 30 years ago. And the same kind of like mining things that they're doing. I don't really know, but it seems to be so focused locally that to take that and give it to Luke and let him go gallivant across planets wouldn't be an unreasonable stretch. No, I would be I would be totally cool with it. I think that it would fit more as And then there's the really dark episodes where Kylo Ren murders kids in their sleep and burns their bodies and things. It's going to be great. That's what I was, well, that's where I was going. I think it would be more of an adult style series. Um, yeah. I think it which again, you've got the stream the the Disney streaming service, so you literally can create whatever you want. Yeah, but this is my concern with The Mandalorian. Like, we've still got no indication that this is going to be targeted for anybody outside of that 9 to 14 age bracket. Like, what if this is just another one of those? Oh, no, I, I think that's definitely going to be... I think that's definitely going to be more along the lines of, like, Rogue One-style storytelling. Which I would prefer, don't get me wrong. I want it to have something a little bit more... I don't think you bring in Jon Favreau to tell a story for 9- to 14-year-olds. I don't know. His work on the Jungle Book and the Lion King remakes would differ. Yeah, but even the, the Jungle Book, it was... It wasn't like it was just a retelling of the car. It wasn't just a redo of the cartoon. It had a little bit more of an edge to it. Um, <laughs> the dark and gritty reboot of Simba. Yeah, I th- I don't know. I I think we're. That's a really big question mark in my book. Is what is the tone of this? Because that single, like two single images that they've released of the one of the character and the one of the weapon, both scream John Wayne. You know, western, dirty, gritty. Oh, yeah. Lot really cool vibes picking up from that, but I don't know. We've been burned before by these kinds of things. No, I think that there has been so much talk about a Star Wars live action show for so long, and with everything that happened oh, with Thirteen, 13 and uh, just everything that George said that the the live action series that he wanted to make would have explored the underworld. I think we're gonna get uh, more of that um, mm. going on George- in the Mandalorian. 
George Lucas version of the Star Wars Underworld, remember, contained things like Zero the Hut. You're welcome. Right. Yes, but <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that I think that this is going to have a major place in the underworld because you have like this lone gunslinger who's going around and basically he's a vigilante he's creating his own kind of justice um and oh, what if we had a purple hut who sounded like uh truman capote <laughs> dave zero get on hut. that zero the hut is coming back from death onto the mandalorian you heard it here first <clears throat> oh no god that would be so <laughs> bad Oh my god! Oh boy, but I would like to see a, a, a new hut gangster. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because... Stereotypical as it might be, I apologize. <laughs> well, it would be really interesting to to touch on that because in Bloodline, the oh, I'm completely br- blanking on his name, but the Nikto who uh, is kind of funneling money to the First Order. Um, yeah, yeah. He he mentions that like Leia's actions with. You know, killing Jabba was a major factor in the huts falling, um, and the and the huts basically not being sure. as powerful as they once were. Um, and I would like to see kind of them clinging to that power, um, trying to hold on to it, and maybe secretly the Mandalorian, uh, whoever that he he may be, is the one who puts the final nail in the coffin. That'd be kind of cool. It would be very cool. It'd be That'd very be awesome. Cool. I'd be down so, with that. I'm excited for that. I think I might be ex- more excited for that than Resistance, but I am kind of excited for Resistance still. I, I'm i definitely more excited for The Mandalorian than Resistance, uh, but just because solely based on the fact that I'm a huge John Favreau stan. Like, John Favreau is... You're a, you're can, a what? A John Favreau stan. You're a small Eastern European country? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I was saying. And I named it after John Favreau. <laughs> That's how much I love John Favreau. I named a country after him. Ah, oh, you go, girl. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we want to hear what you have to say about the future of animation, uh, the future of Star Wars, and everything else Star Wars. So make sure you come over, join us on our Facebook group, which is always active, uh, Clashing Sabers Star Wars community on Facebook. Uh, we are over there with no trolls, no bitterness, no... Well, maybe a smidge of bitterness and complaining. Let's not get crazy. Cynicism, yes, but not, I mean, of all the the skies of hum and villain... I can do the talking. Words are hard. Words are hard. All the hives of scum and villainy that are on the internet, uh, we are hopefully among the least of these, so... (laughs) You see what I did there? That was... It, was, it was clever. You're really good at the word thing. Yeah, I try. Um, speaking of the word thing, I have uh, an article that will be coming out some point in this week, hopefully, uh, the week of this episode, which is going to be talking about Kylo Ren and uh, Three Strikes. And so Ooh. make sure you go over and check that out. I think uh, it'll be something that a lot of you, especially with the conversation that was happening today on Twitter about Kylo Ren and the idea of redemption and whether he deserves it or not. I think um, a lot of you will enjoy that. You can always follow us on Twitter at clashing sabers, uh, clashing sabers network at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, you know, subscribe, all that good stuff. You listen to a bunch of other podcasts if you listen to us. So you know how this goes. <laughs> uh, 
I am at Darth Boylan. Drew is at the Drew Brett. And That's me. Until next time. Batch 8. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. RP-551. No wonder he got blasted. He's one of those older models programmed by a central computer. Not us. We're independent bankers. Roger, 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 roger.